What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, the Week 8 Preview, presented by Football Game Plan. David Hassegan here, as always, with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How's it going for you this afternoon, or this morning, I'm sorry? Well, it, it was an you know, easy traffic day. Happy Indigenous Peoples Day, or Columbus Day, whichever you're celebrating today as we're recording this. Hit us, mango. Hey, oh. I'm, I'm just saying, it's it's a holiday for some, it's a day off for others. It certainly was nice not having the school bus traffic this morning, I can tell you that. Week 7, folks, um, I, I'm no astrologer, I claim to be a lot of things, Emery. I, I'm, I'm a, I claim to be the master of a lot of things, and I'm not the master of anything, but I'm no astrologer, but there was a full moon Sunday. That's the only reason I can explain what the hell just happened in Week 7 in the FCS. We've got a lot of upsets to talk about, folks. We are about the midway point of the season, so we will talk about our midseason awards, as well as we're going to rank the conferences based on strength of the midway point of 2019. As always, we'll talk about our top 25s, a big shakeup coming in the national poll. You can see that coming on uh, when we get the poll later, later on today. Of course, we'll have our game balls, and we'll talk about our telling trap, unsung and best games of the week, and where we'll be for week eight. We got some traveling to do for week eight, so it's going to be uh, an interesting week to be sure. But Emery, let's just get right into it. And we got to start with the big game that happened this week, and that was number five, Villanova, taking on number two, JMU. This was expected to be a close battle, and it delivered. Absolutely outstanding ball game between two powerhouse teams, two teams that you could easily say are vying for the national title. James Madison comes out on top, 38-24. They were relentless in this ball game, but Villanova certainly did not come up short in this game. They were just facing a better team today. They were driving for what looked to be the game-winning points. And then MJ Hampton picked off that pass and was going 83 yards the other way. Yep. And that completely changed the complexion of that game. And then, you know, they gave up the big run at the end. But uh, it was a valiant effort by Villanova. These are two of the best teams in the country uh, by far, in my opinion. You know, you can make a case that Villanova didn't lose any ground in my eyes yeah. with this loss based off how the game ended up. So, Shout out to James Madison and her defense for making a game-changing play to uh, keep themselves pretty much, I would say, undefeated in the FCS. But yeah. they're 6-1. lost the game to the FBS opponent, but it's one of the top two teams in the, in the country. There's and, the, and there's certainly a reason why people are saying they will challenge the Bison again in the national title game this year. Let's stick with the CAA, though, because there were four other games where a ranked opponent in the CAA took on an unranked opponent from the CAA, and all four of them lost. Richmond knocks off number 18, Maine, 24-17. Elon destroys number 15, Delaware, 42-7. You had Albany, 38-21 over number 9, Towson. And then Stony Brook, number 22, loses to New Hampshire, 20-14. What were your biggest takeaway out of all these upsets? Because it was just a wild week in the CAA. Which team impressed you the most? Which team was the most disappointing? What, what do you have in this week? I was more impressed with the way New Hampshire played, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stony Brook was a team that we were talking about that's right there with the Villanovas, uh, with their defense and how well they played. You're starting to get great play from the quarterback position. Uh, they had a thrilling win against Rhode Island. And New Hampshire goes out there and just dominates. And it was impressive to see them go out there and compete really well for four quarters. And uh, the Delaware game, you look at it, man, this was a team that should have beaten Pitt. And, yeah. you know, to go from that to getting blown out, crushed yeah <laughs> I mean it's just it goes to show you that you really can't look ahead in college football especially in the FCS every week it's something different and something new and it just keeps the the parody going I like it there's 
complete parity from top to bottom outside of North Dakota State. Yeah. Everything else is is always up for grabs. Especially and, in the CAA, though. Right. And, and you know, people talk about these conferences beating each other and, um, you know, beating up on one another. But at the end of the day, it's it's it makes the the subdivision very fun and entertaining to watch from week to week. The CAA is this year is a lot like what we saw from the Missouri Valley last year, where kind of you know you have one team at the top in JMU, and then everyone else is just beating the hell out of each other. So the question, I mean, you could easily make an argument that eight of the eleven teams in the CAA could be a playoff team. Yeah, eight of eleven, and yet by the end of it, we might only see three because they're all beating the hell out of each other. So, right, and teams may have losing records, too. So Right, so you always have that question mark moving forward. But let's talk about some of the other upsets here. Austin P. another nice win for them against number 20 Southeast Missouri State, 28-24. The OVC not getting the national attention in terms of a strong conference, but another conference that has been extremely balanced this season. It wasn't an upset in my eyes. I picked them to win mm. in the FCS kickoff. I like how they're playing with balance. They can run the ball. They play good defense. They turn the ball over. They can get after the quarterback. The secondary is excellent. They can run the football with effectiveness. They're getting great play from Javon Craig, the QB. So they're doing a lot really well. And Mark Huspet is quietly on the – he's in the running for Coach of the Year, in my opinion, because of what he's been able to do just taking over this program and building on the foundation that Will Healy left when he vacated to go to, to Charlotte. Absolutely. And let's let's move now to the Southland Conference. A couple upsets there before we get to what I think is the biggest upset of the week at the end here. Let's talk about Lamar. 20-17, to 17, triple overtime over 20, number 25 Sam Houston State. It's not often we see a defensive struggle in the Southland Conference. We got one between these two. It's not often you see a triple overtime game that still has points in the 20s and teens really good ball game defensively which is rare in this conference well this year it's sort of like the big 12 in the sense that we're seeing better defense Nichols has good defense Sam Houston State's defense has been much better than what we've seen before Central Arkansas can play solid defense Southeast Louisiana we saw Lamar's defense step up to the plate this this weekend so that was just a great game Lamar and Incarnate Word are doing some positive things in the Southland this year and speaking of Incarnate Word they also pulled off an upset they knocked off number 23 Southeastern Louisiana I had this as a possibility I didn't actually have Southeastern Louisiana in my last poll for the top 25 Incarnate Word gets the win 27-21 solid win again yes solid win again for the Southland Conference for Incarnate Word and you always want to see how these teams would respond after having success we saw both Lamar and Incarnate Word make the playoffs last year, have success. What would they do for an encore? Would they go back to what we've seen from them prior to that? Or was last year a sign of things to come? And we're seeing right now it was definitely not an aberration. Another conference that's completely stacked top to bottom in the South and very, very even. But let's get into the game that I think nobody saw coming in the weekend. Sacramento State, they knocked off Eastern Washington two weeks ago ranked opponent but we know now that eastern washington not as strong as what a lot of us thought you know some people had them as a top five team uh at the beginning of the year sacramento state knocked them off so okay fine they beat a ranked team good what can you do now in your second test boy did they pass the second test 34 21 over number six montana state this hornets team is for real what an incredible performance again for sacramento and we talked about their new head coach and keep an eye on the Hornets preseason yep. you know we don't know what to expect but they're bringing in a guy from Utah and we know Utah's offense was outstanding and so there's some pieces there that were in place to be successful and it's proven to be true 
they dominated this game from start to finish. This was yeah. never in doubt for Sacramento State. And shout out to Craig Haley because he saw this a week prior with the Hornets and started to give them some love for how they were playing. He put them in his top 25, and, man, they got a big win against Montana State. And with Troy Taylor, I mean, he's got to be a, a candidate for Coach of the oh, Year. Oh, absolutely. He's got to be up the there front too. runner right now absolutely. for Coach of the Year because this is a team that was just pitiful last season. And especially for Coach Taylor, he's bounced around so f- you know all over the place. He's been coaching in high schools not too long ago. He was at Eastern Washington as the QB coordinator. He was at Cal at teaching three different positions. Got the chance at Utah the last couple of years. Sacramento State took a chance on him, and he's paying off in his first head coaching job at the college level. So a great win for Sacramento State, and they've had another big test coming up. We'll talk about that later on. Let's get to our game balls for Week 7. Emery, who do you have on the offensive side of the ball? First, I'm going to go to the wide receiver position in Jacob Harris of VMI. Ten receptions, 172 yards. An impressive 17.2 yards a catch, but no touchdowns, but he still proved to be the difference in VMI's victory over Sanford. VMI, again, coming up All with the a, points. Uh, and they still haven't thrown an interception, by the way. Nope. Still haven't thrown an interception. My offensive MVP, I'm going to go a little off the radar here, Kalen Whitlow, the quarterback from Gardner-Webb. Only 12 of 22, but 352 yards passing and three touchdowns. The running Bulldogs have given some teams trouble this year. They've been kind of a fly-in-the-ointment team in the Big South. Nice game for him. Nice win for the running Bulldogs. Carrick and Brooks, the running back from Penn, has been a really good player all four years for the Quakers. 28 carries, 178 yards, and three touchdowns in a win. Brooks is outstanding. I, I thought when they had he and Trey Solomon um, as a one-two punch, you know, Brooks sort of showed a little bit more wiggle. And then now as a full-time starter, Brooks is definitely uh, making a lot uh, happen out there for the Quakers offense. I'm a big fan of his game, so he's another offensive player that got a game ball for me. You mentioned me a player from VMI. I'm going to mention another one. Alex Ramsey, the running back from VMI. Now, with their high-flying offense, you wouldn't expect a running back to have a big day. 37 carries, 163, 6 touchdowns. This is the interesting thing about VMI is that they're known for being this high-flying passing offense, and that's what you see on paper, but Alex Ramsey quietly has had a really good year for the Keydets. He's had a nice season and six touchdown day today. That'll work. He leads the nation in rushing. The yeah. FCS in rushing. So quietly. Yeah, quietly. quietly. Shout out to him. Um, defensively, I'm going to go with Greg Liggs Jr. Uh, from Elon. Had the pick six. 42-yard uh, touchdown. Really, he was the one that got the party started, in my opinion, uh, in that beat down of Delaware. Just an outstanding play on the ball and the wherewithal to bring you back to the house. So defensive play. Um, that you make and you get a touchdown, got to get Greg's, Greg Legs Jr. some props. I'm going to go with my defense game ball. I'm going to give it to Portland State's defense. Four interceptions for them this week. A nice win over Idaho, a shutout win over Idaho, 24 nothing. Vikings, again, another one of these teams where you're like, wait a minute, Portland State is what? Yeah, they're four and three. So the big sky, again, is just this constant rotation. But Portland State quietly has a very, very good defense, especially in the running game, but passing game this time around, four picks, nice win. Special teams, Bailey Giffins, two field goals in overtime. You talked about the game earlier against Sam Houston State. They needed both of those points to win the ball game. College kickers always is a running joke every Saturday, but when you have a good one, you win games, and Lamar got a win because Bailey Giffins' ability to be clutch in overtime against a team like Sam Houston State. Well, you mentioned a kicker. I'm going to mention another one from the Southland Conference, and that's Hayden Ray from Central Arkansas. 
four for four on field goals. None of them from really long distance. His longest, I think, was 39 yards. He did that twice, but Central Arkansas only won by nine. He put up 12. That's a game winner. Good job for Hayden Ray. Yeah, and always give him, you know, defensive shout-outs. You get those. Those are uh, worthy of mention. Monmouth, shout-out Presbyterian. They blew out Presbyterians. First time we I've seen Presbyterian get blown out like this. So yeah. great job by the Monmouth Hawks defense and Portland State getting the shout-out over Idaho. Before we get to our top 25, just a couple of the games of note from this past weekend as well. Idaho State, 35 to, uh, 35 20 over North Dakota. Dartmouth, 42 10 over Yale. Central Connecticut State, 24 14 over Columbia. FAMU, 42 38 over South Carolina State. South Dakota State, 38 28 over Youngstown. UT Martin, quietly having a good year, 55 14 over Tennessee Tech. San Diego, 37 17 over your beloved Davidson Wildcats. And VMI, 48 41 in overtime over. Sanford. Let's get into our top 25s. Emery, your top five after this crazy week that was week seven is what? North Dakota State, James Madison, South Dakota State, Montana, and I put Weber State back in the top five. Almost exactly the same. I only have Weber and Montana switched. I think uh, Weber still is just good enough to get past Montana when they play each other, but same five teams, slightly different order. Can't go wrong with those five. Yeah, and it was hard to put together a top 25 this week because you had so many teams in the top 25 take a loss and so many teams in the others receiving votes taking losses as well. So yeah. putting together this week was more along the lines of, okay, how good was the win? How bad was the loss? Was was it a good loss, so to speak? So mm-hmm. top 25 is going to look a little different this week. So six through 10, I have Villanova, Furman, Kennesaw, Nichols, and Montana State. I didn't drop uh, Villanova too far. Only three spots. I had them three, uh, ranked third last week. Dropped them down to six. Still love what Furman is doing. Uh, They were on a bye last week. The Paladins, I think, are playing as great of a defensive uh, season as Villanova is playing. Uh, So keep an eye on Furman. And I moved Kennesaw State up. You know, they won. And other teams in the top 10 lost. So I yeah. had them 10th last week, just moved them up for them getting a win. Yeah, I did the same thing um, with both Kennesaw and Villanova. I've got Kennesaw at 6. I've got Nichols at 7. I think quietly they're still one of the better teams mm-hmm. in the FCS. Uh, Villanova, same thing. I had them at 5, dropped them down three spots to number 8. North Carolina a and I'm still very high on them. I got them at number 9. Montana State down to number 10. We're finding out now that Sacramento State is a much better team than we previously thought. Montana State, yes, they took the loss. I still think they're a top 10 team in the FCS right now. Yeah, it was hard to move them down further than, than 10 for me because of, you know, everybody else losing. Yeah. And, yeah, they got dominated, but that's more probably of Sacramento State's doing as opposed to Montana State being a fraud. Right. I still think they're a very good team. Uh, 11 through 15 for me, Illinois State, A&T, Jacksonville State put, bumped them back up. Youngstown State – I moved them up a little bit. Uh, And 15 is Sacramento State. I just think right now the way Sacramento State is playing in the the last couple of games, they've looked dominant. And we'll see how this thing plays out the rest of the way in the big sky. But they've earned their right to be in the top 15, in my opinion. My next 15, I am very high on Sac State after the last couple of weeks. I don't have them that high just yet, though. I've got Central Arkansas at 11, uh, Northern Iowa at number 12, Illinois State at 13, Towson 14, uh, Furman at 15. If they had gotten a win this week instead of having the bye, probably would have bumped them up a couple more spots with the chaos, but still moved them up 
a cup from I think they were 17 last week for me. I moved them up to 15. Furman, another team that quietly has put together a very nice season. 16 through 20 is where it kind of gets interesting. Yeah. 16 through 25, honestly. Um, so 16 through 20, I have Central Arkansas. I bumped Dartmouth up, uh, dominating win over yeah. over Yale. Austin P checks in at, at number 18. New Hampshire, based off what they did to Stony Brook, number 25. And 20, I'm still holding strong. I still believe this is a team that no one is talking about, no one wants to play. And that's the NEC's Central Connecticut State. Central Connecticut State getting some love. And you're not the only one. I saw a couple of the pollsters on Twitter uh, who put them in their top 25. I've got Jacksonville State at number 16 for me. Still have UC Davis at 17. I still I still think they're a stronger team than the record shows. Maine at 18. Strong conference in the CAA. Their win loss record is not going to be as good. Youngstown State, same thing. Number 19, I've got Sacramento State in at number 20. Um it's undoubtable that they're one of the surprise teams this year, and if not one of the best teams in the Big Sky, which is constantly rotating. But um, Sacramento State certainly deserves the respect from every FCS voter now. If somebody doesn't have them in their top 25 at all, something's wrong. Yeah, they're, they're just hating. Um, <laughs> they hate, I mean, if you have a phobia of bees, I guess you can understand <laughs> right. with them being the Hornets. But other than that, there, there's no reason to. Well, there's here's, here's the interesting part, 21 through 25. Another team that has been quietly playing really well. UT Martin, so they're Very quiet. Yeah, they're twenty-one for me. I thought they did a great job this past weekend. Alcorn State at twenty-two. They just go about their business a quiet way. They win games, and yep. they're once again one of the class teams of the SWAC. Twenty-three Princeton. We watched them on uh, Friday night do light work of uh, Lafayette. They are undefeated, so you don't have a loss. You make it to the top twenty-five. Bethune-Cookman at 24, strong team, continues to win. Great special teams play, great game on Thursday night against um, North Carolina Central. And FAMU checks in at number 25. I thought they were going to lose to South Carolina State. I've been blowing the South Carolina State horn all season long. And watching this game go back and forth while I was doing the broadcast, the Morgan State broadcast, and, you know, obviously we were keeping track of the MEAC standings, uh, you know, during during the broadcast. And seeing a game go, you know, score for score. And yeah. at the end, FAMU's offense and their ability to throw the football with a little bit more consistency than South Carolina State pushed them over the edge. So FAMU gets in. Um, sad part is they're, they're not eligible for any title. Yeah. Their best chance to make it to the Celebration Bowl was last year. But this year they're still good, which shows that there's growth in Willie Simmons's tenure there and that's all you want to see from the program FAMU I think it's I think they've won five in a row I think the last four games they've scored a touchdown in the last three minutes to win the ball game so they're learning how to finish but it's still the same story though from last year a lot of close ball games you have to wonder when that stops my next five I've got Dartmouth at number 21 Um, I still want you know they crushed Yale they absolutely demolished Yale and I mean for those people who say oh they don't make it to the playoffs Tell me that Princeton team with three NFL players wouldn't have done some damage last year in the postseason. Right. This Dartmouth team offensively um, as well as defensively has been really good. Still have Eastern Washington in my top 25 of 22. They got you a nice, still believe in Eastern Washington? They got a nice win last week. I didn't drop them out of my top 25 the week before because I, I had them higher than most people did, I think. I dropped them to 25 last week. They got a win, and with the chaos around them, they move up a couple spots. Wofford at 23. Simo drops to 24, and Udell still holding on at 25 for me. The next five, though? The you next still five believe is, in Delaware, too? 
I had I had them about where the national poll had them, which was pretty high in the top 25. I don't think you can take a team from the top 10 or 15 and drop them completely out of the poll unless they lose to a team that's winless, to be honest with you. They lost to Elon. Elon's good. And that's where my next six, it's actually my next six gets interesting. In no particular order. UT Martin, FAMU, Princeton, Albany, Austin P and Elon. In no particular order. Because quietly, Albany's put together a nice year. Austin P has been fantastic. You mentioned FAMU. It's unfortunate they can't get into the postseason. But quietly, quietly, UT Martin is one of the best stories this year that no one's talking about in an OVC that's been very hyper competitive they've looked very very there strong there you go that's what I was going to say so I'll save that to dive into that point later on in the show but you're right about UT Martin in that conference it's going to be really interesting to see the national poll when it comes out in a few hours time because there are going to be some big big shifts I mean I only had one team dropping out of my top 25 that was Stony Brook you could see people that have four maybe five teams dropping out after last week so it's going to be interesting when that poll comes out comes out about 12 30 to 1 o'clock every monday for the fcs stats poll so keep an eye on twitter for that folks again this is the fcs opening drive week eight preview uh podcast here on soundcloud and itunes you can listen back to any of our previous podcasts whenever you want on those services and don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com for all your football knowledge we are now at the halfway point of the season emory so we're going into week eight. We figured, folks, we would talk about our midseason awards, but we're going to start with ranking all of the conferences because there's always this debate: which team is, you know, which conference is strongest? Obviously, it's the CAA Missouri Valley, but who's the third one? Who's the fourth one? You know, who's the most competitive? Who's the most balanced? Who's the best out of conference? And this year, it's really weird. It, it, there's a, been a really interesting mix of which conferences are the strongest, which conferences are the weakest. So I'm going to go to you first. How do you have your conferences ranked? Well, let's from let's top to bottom. Let's do it. Yeah bottom to top bottom to top okay. and uh you know i'll give my 13 you give your 13 all right and i we, like that yeah we work so that way we because we may agree on something yep. um so <laughs> that'll be a rarity right so <laughs> at number 13 the patriot league we agree there yeah here's why because you look at how well the patriot league now is going to be shaping up from where we from what we're seeing it's going to be shaping up to be a very good competitive extremely com- competitive conference. league down the stretch yes. right out of conference is where you look at strength of schedule and and, yeah. and how these teams fare. Do teams fear teams coming in from the Patriot League? We saw what Colgate was. They feared Colgate last year. This yeah. year, not so much. They're still winless. Lafayette is still winless. Bucknell got a win, their first win, but it was against Colgate. The only team that's over 500 is Georgetown. Who and lost. And they're 0-1 in conference play. Exactly. Lost to Fordham, <laughs> who has played competitive. Yeah. If Fordham, you know, starting to turn the corner, I like what Joe Collin is doing out there uh, with, with their young football team. But I have to say the Patriot League is 13th because, yeah. you know, they're, they're just – it's right now out of conference. It's not their strong suit. Um, and that's where I think you can make the argument for top conferences. Holy Cross is playing good football too. I like yes. what Coach Chesney has done. Um they're going to be in the mix, too. So as we go in the back end of October and November, the Patriot League, the whoever wins it is going to get the auto bid, but whoever wins it will be a team that is well-deserving of it because it's going to be a tough gauntlet, I think, throughout. Yeah, it's, it's going to be very, very tough inside the conference, but you're right. The, the, no team, Whoever gets that automatic bid, they're going to get some team from the CA or the Missouri Valley, and they're just going to get absolutely smoked. I mean, for me, Georgetown probably has one of the better defenses in the northeast if not the comfort and not the country they've been very very good but again they lost to fordham 
So they couldn't get the defense to stop when he needed. They gave up that touchdown late. It, it, it's if Georgetown like completely chokes on this again and doesn't get above five hundred after a four and one start, they have to be kicking themselves with no the Davidson loss in week one. There's no hope. Um, who's number twelve for you? Number twelve for me, like it, it was actually relatively easy for me to get my one through six. Mm-hmm. It was harder from seven to twelve. And I've got the swack at number twelve, just because. Outside of Alcorn, and I mean, who else do you fear in this conference? The only team that's got five wins is Arkansas Pine Bluff. But again, who did they play? You got wins against Langston, Lane, Tennessee State, who's been awful. There's really no, uh, granted, Prairie View's been solid, Grambling's been solid, Southern's been solid. But for me, really the only team you fear out of this conference is Alcorn. Alabama State, Alabama AM are decent teams. Neither of them can really play good defense, especially Alabama A&M. Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, Texas Southern, they're all very, very weak in my opinion. I, I just had to put the SWAC down there. I'll get to the SWAC in a, in a few, but my number 12 is the NEC. Hmm. Um, right now, it's only Central Connecticut State. Yeah, Duquesne is pretty, pretty decent, but again, out of conference is where you look at where these teams are and granted Merrimack is independent so they don't necessarily count Robert Mars baby SoCon win they right they, they played really well early on and um, also LIU is a new team so you got right. two new teams playing Bryant still doesn't have defense Sacred Heart I'm disappointed in they lost two straight games I thought they, they looked were, a whole lot better than I thought exactly yeah. and I thought they were going to be in the mix too um, Wagner has been disappointing yeah. to me it's just Central Connecticut State this is a one-bid league, in my opinion. So, yeah. because of that, I'm putting them at number 12. Well, I had them at number 11. That was my number 11 team was the NEC because for the same reason. I mean, Central Connecticut State, I think, is one of the better teams that no one's talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Duquesne always has a solid squad together. And we've, we've said it before. When you get teams from the Northeast, it's very underrated quality. And when they do get to the postseason, I mean, Central Connecticut State almost pulled off a massive upset two years ago in the playoffs. They didn't have their quarterback suspended. They probably win a ball game against UNH. Um, but no, Wagner. I mean, they lost to a D two team this year. Uh, Robert Morris, better, much improved year for Robert Morris compared to what they've done the last couple. Still two and four. St. Francis is three and three. Sacred Hearts three and three. It's, eh, it it, it is what it is. Um, it's going to come down to Central Connecticut and Duquesne, I think, unless Robert Morris goes on a run, which would be <laughs> hysterical. Uh, but Central Connecticut, I think it's really the only power in this in this league conference. So I can see why you put them at 12. I had them at 11. At 11, I have the SWAC. And okay. when you look at the SWAC, and you, you brought up some good points, but for me, it's about, you know, what do you do from a consistency standpoint? And right now, Alcorn has been the only consistent team. I do like how Alabama State is playing. Alabama A&M had an opportunity to put themselves in the conversation, but they lost last weekend um, they got great play from their their quarterback their offense is phenomenal southern has been on a winning streak you know two games in conference yeah grambling which is usually the class of this conference is 0-2 in, in the swag prairie view no consistency worst defense i believe outside of alabama a&m yep um and arkansas pine bluff you brought up their schedule so it's kind of it it and texas southern has been awful yeah um so yeah at least Valley has looked better, inspired, but they're still one in five. Jackson right. State one in five, so just not a good league right now outside of Alcorn and Alabama State, in my opinion. Southern is yep. good, 
um, and they'll probably end up representing the West. Yeah. But I think this is the East, uh, Eastest, how you say, Eastest division to win. East division, to, yeah. East division to win. Um, so it is going to come down to Alcorn and Alabama State. Yeah. Well, let's, I'll move to my number 10 now, and that's the Big South for me. Because, yeah, okay, Mammoth is 4 and 2. Good. They've barely beaten opponents that they should be crushing. Last week, they showed up against Presbyterian. They absolutely demolished the Blue Hose, which nobody ever does. That's the running joke right. on this show. Nobody blows out Presbyterian. You don't ball. blow out Presbyterian. Monmouth did, and by a pretty good margin. Campbell, 4-1 and one as well. Okay, decent side. You still have a win against Shaw in there, and a win you know, against Presbyterian. Cool. Gardner-Webb, much better. Gardner-Webb, much improved this year, 3-3. Three and three. They've given some teams some trouble. Um... But I, I don't see anything from them. I really don't see it. It's really Kennesaw and a bunch of others. And that's where you see some voters in the FCS stats poll saying they don't have Kennesaw in their top 15 because who have they played? And it, it's a valid argument this year. They've got, I mean, granted, you know, new program, you got to play, you know, these schedules are made years in advance. you got to right, play right, who's right. on the schedule. But still, when you have Point University and Reinhardt, I mean, granted, they did take Kent State to the brink in week two. They only lost by three. But it's still Kennesaw is really the only threat in this conference for me. We agree. And I have them right there at, at number uh, 10 as well because of what you laid out. I think Campbell is in a prime spot to get over the hump. Yeah. They, they, I think they're in a great position to beat Kennesaw. And we were at Monmouth uh, Media Day where, you know, the talk is beating Ken- Kennesaw. Kennesaw, Kennesaw, That is, Kennesaw, a, Kennesaw, that, that Kennesaw. is what they're focused on. And they can't overlook a game this weekend against Gardner-Webb. No. You know, no. that's a team that's improving. Uh, Hampton is competitive, but you don't know what you're going to get from Hampton week after week. Same for North Alabama, who's not eligible for the title. And Charleston Southern and Presbyterian, both for a winless in conference and just 1-11 overall uh, out of conference. And out of conference, usually the Big South has done well. Yeah. And, you know, they're good teams. I just don't think right now – it's a lot of smoke and mirrors with teams in the conference. Yeah. So, at number nine, the Pioneer League. Agree. Yeah, Same thing. Here's the thing with the Pioneer League. It's non-scholarship, and people tend to dismiss it. But when you look at the facts, these teams win games in the playoffs. Yeah. San Diego, three straight years. Three straight years, win games in the, uh, one game in the playoffs. You look at Senior Bowl, right? Troutman, the tight end, is on the Senior Bowl watch list. Had a great catch against Valpo this weekend, a great one-handed catch, catch uh, in the end zone. Davidson, we always talk about their offense and how well they do. Wesley Duggar is one of the best backs in the country. They, they can put points up on anybody. Stetson had a guy in the Senior Bowl last year, the tight end, uh, Donald Parham, yep. uh, who may be drafted by the XFL this, this, you know, tomorrow. Yeah, so, San Diego has a couple guys on the list. Bandy. Bandy is an excellent wide receiver. So, And Drake had a guy, uh, uh, Grant, Grant Kramer, who uh, played at the FCS Bowl. I had yep. him down there at the Tropical Bowl as well. And he's now playing in the CFL. But you could argue that every conference has the one or two guys that have talent. True, but people, t- I brought all of that. I said I'll let to say this. People treat this conference as if it lacks talent. Right. And you see guys constantly. Eric Salbert from Drake was drafted a couple of years ago by the Atlanta Falcons. He played in the Shrine game. This is a very good league. Matter of fact, you talk about the NFL yesterday. Ross Dwelly, the tight end from San Diego, Not is bad. playing tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. So this Not is bad. a good league, and they play good out of conference. Yeah. And they've beaten teams out of conference, scholarship teams out of conference. So 
to me, they earned the respect to being at uh, at number ten or number nine. I'm sorry. And I and I agree with that. I, there's not you know Pioneer is not great top to bottom. There were some very bad football teams. Well, we didn't talk about year. the teams that were bad. We didn't talk about yeah. Valpo. We didn't talk about <laughs> Butler, Butler, who's normally at the top. We didn't talk about Maris. We've purposely yes. But, but the top of this conference exactly. is solid. It's Morehead solid. State is three and three. Stetson's four and one. Davidson, I thought they were going to beat San Diego this past they week. They beat Georgetown. They beat Georgetown though, who has a really good defense. Drake, really rough start of the year. They've come back pretty nicely. They've won three in a row. Dayton, surprise team this year. They've actually looked very, very good offensively. Uh, they're putting up forty points a game. Pioneer League is a conference you can't sleep on anymore. I mean, a couple few years ago, maybe. You could say, all right, unless we're playing San Diego, there's a week wi- a week one win. Not anymore. Pioneer League is actually much, much better. My number eight league, as of now, is the Ivy. We agree. So, what do you have to know about the Ivy League, folks? Is there are some very, very good teams here. Princeton, obviously, is ranked in the top 25. I think Dartmouth deserves to be. That's why I had them in. That's why we both had them in there. Harvard. Much improved this year. They're three and one. They're two and zero in conference play. Yale, solid. Bottom half of this conference has been pretty weak this year. Brown has not looked great. They got a nice week one win. Haven't looked great since then. Cornell, better. Still not getting wins on the scoreboard. Columbia, surprising that they're they're low. Columbia's lower than I think a lot of people thought. Penn, depends on which team shows up. Um, but the top teams in this conference, again, I really would Ivy League figure it out. Please get these at least your top team in the playoffs because last year's Princeton team would have run rough shot over oh some half God. the teams yeah. in the SoCon. A couple teams in the Missouri Valley would have had problems. These are some really good teams. Dartmouth this year has been outstanding. They've only allowed 34 points in their first four games. That is a solid team. You can't deny defense when you see it. You can question offense once in a while, but you can't question defense. Dartmouth has got a, good, has got a really good one. Princeton's been excellent. Harvard and Yale still up there at the top. Yeah, Dartmouth is this year's version of Colgate, and they're doing <laughs> yeah. a great job. This is a team I don't think will lose a game. Uh, at number seven, SoCon. Ooh. Yeah, here's wow. why I have the. Yeah, here's why I have the. SoCon. That's gonna ruffle some feathers. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's the consistency, man. It from week to week, it's we don't know which Sanford team we're gonna get, especially on defense. VMI looks better than a lot of these teams in the league Furman is legit good yeah you know Furman may go far they got great defense they, their two losses are two close FBS losses yeah so they're not bad at all Wofford I'm disappointed in Wofford um, but they're still competitive they're still Wofford the Citadel gets a great win versus Georgia Tech and then comes to back. be a mile. exactly so <laughs> and the teams that we're normally at the top or now at the bottom. It's been a bad year for Western Carolina, bad year for East Tennessee State, who made the playoffs last year. Mercer is on a four-game losing streak, but Mercer, to me, is still competitive enough to where they're going to right the ship. But right now they're 2-4. and four. Yep. And so there's a lot of inconsistency here in this conference. Chattanooga's 2-0 and in, in the SoCon, 1-3 outside of it. Granted, one loss was to Tennessee, but – I think this is a very inconsistent conference right now. Maybe two teams that you could trust. We're going to have a big disagreement on that one later on, but my number seven is the Southland for the same reason. Who the hell is going to show up week to week? Houston Baptist. After week five, they were four and one. They were incredible. They've lost back-to-back weeks to Incarnate Word and Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian, three and four. Knocks off Houston Baptist, but 
<laughs> like, they lost to Garden Ward and Lamar the first, last two weeks in a row. That's not talk, bad losses. But you talk about inconsistency. There it is. Sam Houston State. The kings of inconsistency. We just crushed Incarnate Word, McNeese, and Stephen of Austin. Let's lose to Lamar in North Dakota. That works really well. It, 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 there's some strong teams in this conference. Don't you get me notice wrong. Lamar is a common theme in there. So Lamar, uh, it, but they're four and three and unranked because, <laughs> because Lamar has lost to Southeastern Louisiana and they lost to a really bad Stephen F. Austin team. That's the thing. No one's consistent in the Southland this year. Nobody except for Nichols. Nichols has been the only one where you consistently say, okay, solid team, putting together good results. Their only two losses are to FBS opponents. They're beating the teams they should. Granted, they've got some tougher games at the back end of their schedule. I don't know what to make of the Southland. It's the Wild West again. I don't think any of these teams are good enough to win a playoff game. Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I, I think you're, you're wrong about that. So I'll move on to the team that to the <laughs> conference I think is number six. At number six, I have the MEAC. Same. Yeah, and here's why I love what's going on this year in the MEAC. You have three teams that are on long winning streaks. A&T is a class of the division, right? Yes. Everybody yeah. talks about A&T, but no one talks about the job that Bethune-Cookman has done has done this year. Their defense is good. They can run the ball. They got a really athletic quarterback. Um, they play great special teams. They have playmakers across the board, and they're undefeated. They're 5-1. and one. And they got the game canceled against Southeastern Louisiana. It'd be interesting <laughs> to see if they would have yeah. won that game. We saw them beat them last year, or a couple years ago, I yeah. believe. Uh, so Bethune can win out of conference. FAMU, their one losses to the FBS opponent. Uh, they can win out of conference, I believe, because their offense. Ryan Stanley seems like he's been there forever. Uh, but that leadership is helping them uh, be one of the better teams in the conference. South Carolina State is a very good, well-coached, disciplined team. Yep. Norfolk State, we saw them give an FBS team a problem early on. Yep. Um, Old Dominion, they have talent. They can win. And and so they just don't have enough of the talent to push them through in a lot of these closed games. But they're 3-2 and two on the season. And everywhere else is just young teams trying to trying to win. Delaware State, Delaware Howard. Delaware State, Morgan State, Howard. You, all the issues that's going on at Howard. Uh, Central, young team. But, man, Howard's defense has given up, on average, like 45 points a game or some weird number like they're that. They're legit bad. They're, they're legit bad <laughs> they're on legit defense. They're legit bad on They defense. lost their homecoming last week and they got blown out on homecoming. They've allowed 47.3 points per game. That's 125th. If that's not last, Imagine I don't know going into a game knowing your defense is going to give up 47. So you got to figure out a way to score 48. <laughs> And they don't have it. They don't have <laughs> it. But but you said with the MEAC, though, you got three teams with only one loss. Florida A&M, again, it's a shame they're not going to be able to make the postseason. Uh, Bethune-Cookman has been excellent. I think we both predicted they would rebound this year from last season. And A&T is A&T, so yeah. you know what you're getting. My number five conference, the OVC. I agree with you there. OVC this year has been one of the most competitive conferences across all of college football and all, of, all but two teams – or at 500 or better at this point of the season. You can't say that about a lot of places. Tennessee Tech, they're 1-2 in conference. They're 4-3. and three. They were 4-2 and two going into last week's game. They get crushed by UT Martin. UT Martin's come out of nowhere. Austin Peay's been good. Eastern Kentucky's had some moments. Murray State's 4-3 and three out of nowhere. And then we're not even mentioning the two nationally ranked powerhouses in Jacksonville State and SEMO. We'll see if either of them are ranked going into this week in the top 25. I have the only Jacksonville State will be. SEMO might not be. It's not a given in the OVC this year. It's not a given who's going to get the spot and whether or not they're going to be a one-bid league. They could get two. 
they could get three. I mean, Jacksonville State is one of the more frustrating teams. Oh, I want to love them so bad, but I can't. As soon as you go all in on Jacksonville oh. State, they drop a game. But out of all of the smoke and fire, they come out five and two. Yeah. Which is a good point to be at this part I'm of the I'm worried season. about them, though. I, one thing I do worry about them is because they've only beaten Tennessee State in Eastern Illinois by a combined 15 points. This is a team that plays up and down to the competition. They really do. They, they, really, they, do. they really do. UT Martin is good. Um, very good point of attack play. So is Austin P. Yeah. You know, I was – I thought Eastern Kentucky would have been a surprise team – in the conference, they're 500 right now, both out of conference and in conference. Uh, Southeast Missouri State is a little bit more of a di- disappointment, as is Tennessee State and Eastern Illinois. But from Tennessee Tech on up, they're really good teams that you don't know what you're going to get week to week from a man who's going to beat who. But they're good teams. I think these teams, those collection of teams, Tech, Southeast, Eastern Kentucky, Murray State, Jacksonville State, uh, Austin P and UT Martin, they can go out of conference and win a game in the playoffs. So I like the Ohio Valley. That's why they're they're fifth for me. Who's your number four? Southland. Wow. For all of the reasons we listed about the OVC, I have them for the Southland. Uh, Nichols, good. Sam Houston State playing very good defense. The, it may look different as far as how they're winning, but they're still getting it done. Incarnate Word and Lamar have proved that they're not a fluke. Um, so they're going to be competitive throughout. Central Arkansas, had the upset win against Western Kentucky in week one. Uh, then they dropped the game. But they're still a very good football team, and they're right now 2-1 in conference. Southeastern Louisiana is solid across the board. Houston Baptist, despite the two-game losing streak, I like their offense. They they look like this year's version of Sam Houston State where yep. they can you know, lose a game 45-46. to 46, But if, they, if you don't score 46, they're going to beat you. They're going to blow you out. Um, so I like – the way they're playing now. The Blue Bloods are, are kind of down. I'm talking about Stephen F. Austin has been down for quite some time. But McNeese being down this far, 1-3 uh, and three in conference. Northwestern State, I had yeah. a lot of hope for coming in. They're 0-6. Mm. Hopefully get it turned around. But I don't think the Southland is as bad as you have made it out to be. Well, that's where I'm going to go into. This is where I get – this is going to get a little controversial because I was really close between who I put at 3 and who I put at 4. I got the big sky at number four. That's Only, understandable, though. I could, it's you know. understandable but for the reason of, okay, you never know who the top teams are going to be in this league. Eastern Washington has been a big disappointment. UC Davis, big disappointment. Northern Colorado, Idaho, Southern Utah, Cal Poly, they're all kind of eh. Northern Arizona, solid team. Idaho State, solid team. Portland State, out of nowhere, is four and three, like we said. Montana State, they lost to Sacramento, but Sacramento's been outstanding. Weaver quietly just going about their business, and Montana is one of the few teams I think can possibly knock off North Dakota State in a playoff game. So Big Sky, for me, is really, really good, really, really strong, really competitive, but I have them just behind the SoCon. I have SoCon at number three because they can literally beat anyone. Furman took two FBS teams to the brink. We know how good Wofford is. They've now won three in a row. They've been much better. VMI has been one of the best stories of college football this year. They beat Samford and the Citadel back-to-back weeks. Citadel knocked off Georgia Tech. Samford, much better this year than people thought. Mercer, strong team. The SoCon from top to bottom is kind of a mini-SEC. 
They've been really, really SEC good. SEC what? West or East? SEC Because you South- got to be careful with, with uh, SEC Southwest. <laughs> I'm not going into that. I'm not going down that rabbit because hole. Of, I know where, if you, if you're side. saying SEC, you, you, people think you're talking Bama, LSU, and when you probably talk about Arkansas, South Carolina, Man, Vanderbilt. All right, all right, like which, right. which SEC you're all talking right, about? Southeast then. Southeast. SEC East. Okay. SEC East. Talk about that side. Okay. But, I mean. Fair. Only lost by six points to Georgia State. Did Furman? They almost they should have knocked off Virginia Tech if not for some questionable officiating. That's been a theme this year. SoCon for me. Any one of the any one of the teams that make it out of the SoCon could make a deep run. For number three, Big Sky. That's why I didn't have a problem with you putting Big Sky at four. It was it was real close between those two for me as well. Yeah, I, I like the Big Sky. I think we're seeing now. You know, we saw this last year honestly uh, with the Big Sky. Yo, yeah. Weber is good. You're seeing a lot of competitiveness from Idaho State. Uh, Montana State is one of the top teams in the conference. Uh, UC Davis, inconsistent, but still a solid team. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sacramento State, the surprise. Montana has been awesome. And, you know, I like the way uh, Northern Arizona just continues to, to fight through. They're, to me, a little bit better than Eastern Washington, in my opinion. Yeah. So I just like how this, this conference has, has, you know, competed. Even the teams that are at the bottom, I still think Cal Poly is a tough out um, because of their offense. Idaho was competitive a a lot this year. I know you don't want to give, you know, uh, you know, participation trophies or, you know, uh, those type of awards. But I just think overall it's a really strong conference from top to bottom. Yeah, no, Big Sky. Big Sky is interesting because we've seen – you see a lot of competitive conferences in the FCS level – Big Sky, there seems to be always a consistent rotation at the top of the conference of who the power is. Because Montana, a couple years ago, wasn't near close to this good. Sacramento State was awful last season after two years ago. Should have been a playoff team and got snubbed. It's a constant rotation, so it's a really fun conference to watch. Now we get to the uh, now we get to where the, the Twitter two. now we get to where the the uh, Twitter wars will begin. Because my number two is the Missouri Valley. We agree. Missouri Valley for me. Of course, North Dakota State, amazing, phenomenal. South Dakota State, same thing. Illinois State has a couple guys that should be All-Americans that are going to be NFL players. Northern Iowa, fantastic. South Dakota, 2-0 in conference, even though they're 3-3 overall. Youngstown State, much better, much, much better. But for me, some of the teams at the bottom of this league have not been great. Indiana State, they've had injury issues, so they've dropped down a little bit. Southern Illinois, Amazingly, has an FBS win, knocking off. Well, it was UMass, so do we even count that as an FBS win? Or I mean, they on they on the fence. It's questionable. Western Illinois still looking for their first win. Hopefully, I'd be a good luck charm. We'll talk about that later. Um, Missouri Valley is very very strong, but there's a couple of weak links at the bottom here this season. So that's where I've got them at number two. And number one, I have CA. It's just it's incredible this league. Villanova, JMU, class, Stony Brook, great defense. Towson dealing with an injury, you know, but they're still very good. William Mary has the offense and a lot of young players, so they've been competitive. Richmond, inconsistent. Albany offensively has been a surprise. Albany offensively, where did that? They've never had good offense, right? Ever. Elon is good, despite the three and four record. Elon is a, a good football team. Delaware is Delaware. inconsistent, exactly. <laughs> so I like the competitiveness and poor Rhode Island. One in they're five. the only bad team in this But they're league. not really bad. They've lost games. Look at you, Maine. They're 0-3. Right. And yet they're still getting a national ranking from people. So this is a, I think this is a really good conference. You talk about teams that can go outside and win. The points you made for the SoCon, 
I think that's the point for the CAA. CAA, you can make an argument for nine of the 12 teams to be a playoff team right now. And that, that's incredible to say. We, let's go real quickly through our midseason awards before we get into our eight, week eight preview. Biggest surprise of the season so far? Biggest surprise of the season, I would probably give it to um, Sacramento State. Yeah. That's an easy one because of how Sacramento State has played, where they came from. Runner-up would be UT Martin. Yeah, and I would give a third, a close third to VMI. Yeah, it's been a really good. Yeah, you know what? That that's here. a that's a really good team. VMI has they, been good excellent. They've been excellent. I think they they might get a lot of votes this year, this week in the polls. Uh, biggest disappointment for you, Northwestern State, because I expected them to be a little bit better. Um, so that would be the biggest disappointment, and maybe even McNeese. McNeese you know, has had a, a very subpar year. I mean, there's not too much that I'm like looking at and saying, "Wow, this is a disappointing team." Just maybe a little bit more of selfish reasons, but both of those teams come out the south. I got one, Colgate. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, we thought Colgate, there's no way they could put the defense the diff- they right. did last year to be 0-7 with a loss to Lehigh? No, the loss, a loss to Bucknell. Or to Bucknell, excuse yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, Lehigh, you know, but Bucknell. But, whoa. Yeah. Like, that's a, that, you're talking about falling off a cliff Wiley Coyote style is what Colgate's <laughs> done this year. Um, Prime to make a run at the FCS title, not counting the favorites of JMU and North Dakota State. Prime to make a run? How about this? Central Connecticut State. Oh, that's going to get Twitterverse going. <laughs> Why the Blue Devils? Good offensive line. Javon Brown is an NFL prospect, senior bowl watch list. They don't beat themselves on that side of the ball, but defensively they can get after the quarterback. They turn the ball over. All those good things you want from a defense. Central Connecticut State is really good they look like uh a team that can go in and win a game or two very been a very good year for blue devil football duke has looked outstanding in fbs central yeah. connecticut state looked very good here i got montana i think this team it legitimately can go down to virginia or go to the fargo dome and make noise i think this team is going to be a very very tough semi-final op- opponent i that's the that's the least i can see them going it's the semifinals. Yeah. They they are legit. They're good. good. Yeah, they, they, I'm glad they, they It's good turn, to see, yeah, yeah, it's good to see them turn around cuz you know how their season has ended the last couple of years <sighs> with Montana State. Oh, you know? and you know that oh, the revenge right. factor would be incredible this year. This is year. a strong team this year. But let's get into our individual awards and I could easily see with that being said, Montana sweeping them. Dante Olson, I think is one of the best defensive players in all of Division 1 at the linebacker position and Dalton Sneed has been outstanding for them. He's been really, really good. You can make an argument for Jake Meyer and Troy Lance as well at the, at the for the Walter Payton Award. But for me, I think Montana can sweep it at this point. Wow. I look at my Walter Payton Award candidates right now. Bailey Zapp and what he's been doing he's throwing been the football incredible. at Houston Baptist. Pete Guerrero, quietly, every time you look up, the Monmouth running back is doing a great job. He's not even leading the the, the, the league in rushing, but it yeah. seems like he's performing extremely well every game. Check out his highlights, folks. You watch Pete Guerrero run, and you're thinking, okay, when is he going to get drafted? Yeah, he's a good he's player. He's outstanding. And tight end Adam Troutman for the highlight plays he makes every week for yes. Dayton. Buck Buchanan is unique because it's a defensive award, and I think it's kind of open this year. That one rotates around, too, in terms of positioning. It's not right, just exactly. always a linebacker. Bingo. And so... I would go uh, 
George Obina from Sacramento State. He's been outstanding this year. Man, they needed him last year when he was out for the season. They get him back. He's another NFL prospect that has a lot of sacks. Ellison Smith of Northern Iowa has been fantastic. I thought they're going to be a a drop-off in that area, losing um, Ricky Neal last year to graduation, who's now playing in the CFL. But Ellison Smith has stepped up. And Cordell Jackson, the cornerback from Austin P. five interceptions, two touchdowns. Wow. So that's pretty good. Some guys to keep an eye on. Um, what about your black college player of the year at this point? I think you got to look at three guys. Akil Glass, a quarterback for Alabama a and putting up monster numbers. I think he's going to be an NFL prospect next year. He's a junior. Uh, Dewanya Tucker, all the yards and incredible. highlights he puts. He's incredible. Chris Rowland leads the FCS in receiving from Tennessee State on a garbage team, but he's a standout. <laughs> and so he's, again, you lead the conf- you lead the country in receiving. Roland, I think, would be uh, – I think he may actually win it, you know. And we know the Black College Hall of Fame award goes – it involves every black college. So you have D2, NAIA programs right. in there. Um, but those three coming from the FCS have been outstanding. Well, for me, I'm going to add one more in that list, and that's Jermaine Martin. How many times has he been mentioned for a game ball on this show? Right. I thought you was going to put him into your Walter Payton Award. He is I, – I, I think he deserves to be have consideration to at least be in the top five, if not a finalist. He's been a huge key of why A&T – I mean, they call it running back you for a reason. True. And Jermaine Martin has been just the latest prospect. And let's talk about one more here. Who's your favorite to win the Celebration Bowl at this point? I would say – I wouldn't give you a favorite to win it, but i give you teams that I think that's going to get there. Okay. I think Alcorn – is one out the, out the swag. And not because the swag is weak, because Alcorn's that good. You said the swag. You got swag rated, what, 11th? 12th. 12th. But, but Alcorn, even with a strong swag, would be a favorite yeah, this be, year. This They've be been favorite. outstanding. They're, they're, they're really good. Coach uh, Fred McNair does a great job down there. And another coach that does a great job in the MEAC consistently is Terry Sims at Bethune-Cookman. Yes. So I'm going with – I think Bethune can beat A&T this year. And to me, that'll punch their ticket to – the celebration bowl. So right now, midseason, I'm looking at an Alcorn Bethune Cookman celebration bowl game. We actually agree on that. We actually agree on that because I think Bethune Cookman does have the tools. They're very, very balanced. Yeah. Um, consistent on defense. Not to say that A and T isn't, but I think Bethune Cookman has that chance. And if the, I, here's the thing, if both of those teams end up only dropping the one game and that's to each other, you've got a MEAC team in the postseason. I'm about to say you, if if they lose to A and T. Um, maybe they can that's why that game against Southeastern Louisiana was so huge for Bethune Cookman yeah without that game I don't think they can get in Um, but you know at at the end of the day they're good Marcus Ford is a pro prospect pass rusher I was at the Howard game uh, before I made my way to call the Morgan game yeah first three plays sacked by Marcus Ford TFL by Marcus Ford in on a tackle by Marcus Ford I think Marcus Ford might be a decent player. Might be a decent player, and, and here's the thing, though. The team that can just destroy all of this is Florida A&M. True. Because they're not eligible for any postseason, yet they're hosting A&T this week, and then their last game of the year is Bethune-Cookman. Imagine they knock off both teams, causing, you know, obviously one will go to the, to the celebration, goal, celebration Bowl regardless, but denying the other a spot in the FCS playoffs. That would be the ultimate revenge for the Rattlers. Folks, let's talk about the Week 8 games. and let's go. In. We're not going to talk about too many games this week because we've had a long podcast already. We don't want to keep you here too long, uh, but we'll talk about where we're going to be. But let's start with the telling games of this week. Harvard taking on Holy Cross. 
this is going to be a good barometer to see how good Holy Cross is in terms of pot potentially winning that solo bid out of the Patriot League and how good Harvard is in terms of they've certainly improved. Can they compete with a Dartmouth or a Princeton? Hampton at Campbell. Again, trap game possibly for Campbell. Well, we don't know which Hampton team could show up. That could easily be a 35-point win or an overtime game. I, I do like know. DeAndre Francois. He's one of the toughest quarterbacks in the country. He's been very good. And the other tr telling game, UNH versus Udell. All the quietly, New Hampshire, out of nowhere, with all the problems they had, obviously, with you know the coaching situation there. There was a lot in flux at the beginning of the year. They've come on very, very nicely, defensively especially. Could they make a run and maybe sneak in into the CAA as a playoff team? We don't know. Udell needs to recover, though, after a big loss. My trap games this week. Furman taking on the Citadel. Big trap game for Furman. And Weber against Northern Arizona. The Case Cookus show comes to Weber. It comes Case Cookus. A, a healthy Case Cookus is a dangerous, dangerous man. And if you're Weber, you have quietly, they've stayed in the top five, top six for they've everybody. They've been hovering. But no one's really tested them. Right. This is going to be the first test. Unsung games this week. There's some good ones. Big rivalry game. Idaho State taking on Idaho. Classic game there in the Potato State. Montana at Sacramento State. Going to be an incredible game because the Sac State, this is homecoming for them. They knock off Montana. They are not only ranked, they're a top 10 team. If they can knock off three straight ranked teams in their own conference. Dayton taking on Stetson. Really critical game in the in the Pioneer League. It's a big game. Lamar and Incarnate Word. Hey, the two the two team two Cardinals. You never know what's going to happen with that one. And then Simo at Jacksonville State. Huge game in the OVC. Listen, Jacksonville State is this it's <laughs> this will it's, be the, no they'll win this week. Jacksonville State will win this game this week, and then they'll lose to like <laughs> who who else do they have on their schedule? I have to even look because it's like. You never know with them. You never know, man. They, they lost their first week to Southeastern Louisiana, who we now know is a pretty solid team. Right, pretty solid team. Cross Chattanooga, good. Knock off Eastern Washington, wow. Beat North Alabama, lose to Austin Peay, 55-52-33. And, yeah, it was the fact that they got blown out. That's the, you know, that like, made it worse. This is what they're going to do. They're going to crush SEMO somehow, and then Murray State's going to bury them by 20. Because right. that's what they do. <laughs> that's this what happens. That's what they do. Best game of the week, though, I mentioned it quickly, North Carolina A&T at FAMU. Because this is going to be, obviously, you would hope this would be a critical game to decide the MEAC title. It's only going to be decide the MEAC title for one of them. Yeah. But FAMU is taking some revenge for what they did last year. They're actually learning how to finish games. Ryan Stanley is an outstanding quarterback that no one really knows about, but he's been very, very good, and he's been able to lead drives at the end of games to get the win. Critical game for A&T if they want to be either in the Celebration Bowl or the playoffs, depending on which one they go to. Yeah, it's great games right there. Uh Talking about where we'll be this weekend, I will be at, I'll be the color analyst for the Gardner-Webb Monmouth game. Sneaky game. Sneaky. Sneaky. You talk about game. trap game, Monmouth can't keep focus, because you know who they have next week? Kennesaw. Kennesaw. Exactly. Kennesaw. And so, Kennesaw. here's Gardner-Webb <laughs> just strolling in. Uh, what is it, two in a row? Two in a row. You know, competitive. <laughs> this was this used to be an easy win for teams in the conference, but they mm -hmm. have been competitive. Just <laughs> strolling in from Bowling Springs, North Carolina, unassuming, big fat trap game for Mama. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. I'm excited to join the call with Eddie Agapenti, my play-by-play -play guy, who does a fantastic job. We get to see Greg Viscomi, who's the SID over there. Fantastic dude. He does his halftime uh, rants 
uh, doing during the broadcast. He's for not he's funny, man. And so I'm excited. It's a, it's an ESPN three games, a telecast game. So that's why I will be this weekend. And a battle of two pretty good running backs, Jalen Cagle on the one yeah. side. He's had a very good year, seven touchdowns this season. And we mentioned Pete Guerrero on the other side uh, for Mammoth. And Mammoth Anthony Bud is a, a, also tied for first in the FCS in interceptions. So, defensively, very, very strong there. I'm going to be doing a, a bit of a crazy road trip. Some people have called me insane for doing this, but um, I will be driving out to Illinois this week. Uh, Western Illinois hosting Illinois State. Obviously, for Western, maybe this is where they get the first win. They've pulled off stranger things when I've been there. They knocked off Northern Iowa last year uh, at the game I was at. But certainly going to be keeping an eye on Illinois State. They had four players on the Senior Bowl uh, watch list going into this year. Obviously, everybody knows about James Robinson, the running back, who's outstanding. A lot of people think he's going to be a draft pick. Uh, Brady Davis, the quarterback, is solid. Adam Solomon, off the tackle, is really good. And uh, Luther Kirk, uh, the defensive back, has been really, really solid. So it'll be interesting to see how Illinois State is. It'll be interesting to see where they're ranked as well uh, going into the top 10, uh, top 25, excuse me, this week. Uh, so we'll see how that one goes. But that's where I'll be. I'll be leaving on Thursday and stopping over somewhere in Ohio. I have no <laughs> idea where. Uh, and then getting into uh, tiny Macomb, Illinois, sometime on Friday evening. So be safe out there. It, it, it's it's going to be fun. Once I get out of, the, out of New Jersey, I think the drivers are a whole lot better than what they, <laughs> where they are around here. I, I've always told people, New Jersey has incredible drivers, but we also have the most idiots per capita. So that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> Emery, anything else you want to plug here before we sign off on this podcast? We saw last weekend in the Oklahoma-Texas game, Oklahoma comes out. They were backed up on their five-yard line. They come out in a go-go formation. Hmm. So Interesting. Our offense coordinator, uh, Brendan Marion, has done a great job with this book, has put his imprint on it. It's funny to see it make its way to Norman, Oklahoma. So <laughs> if you want to make sure you get the original and, and give credit where credit is due to Brendan Marion, go to footballgameplan.com slash offense and pick up the GoGo Offense book. It's been selling like hotcakes. And again, you start when, we, when I saw that, I was like, and I got a text from someone because I was doing the broadcast of the Morgan State game. They texted me and it was like, man, this looks familiar. And I'm looking at the formation. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. <laughs> and it's good to see it now because, again, it's a great offense. If you want to know the ins and outs of the offense, go to footballgameplan.com slash go-go offense and pick up your copy. And, again, folks, if you want to follow our chronicles of where we're going, follow us on Twitter at FBallGamePlan for my man Emery and at David underscore Hasig for myself. Uh, as we travel around the country, we've got a lot of we got some busy, uh, busy times ahead for both of us, a lot of games to cover. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. And, again, if you want to listen, to, uh, listen in on any of our other podcasts, Go to SoundCloud or iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. And, of course, don't forget to check out the College Football Tailgate Show on the Game Plus Network, where we cover every level from FBS on down to the NAIA uh, from week to week. So check that on the Game Plus Network if you have Optimum in the New York metropolitan area. For myself, Emery Hunt, thanks for listening in. Enjoy Week 8, and let's hope for a little less chaos in the Top 25 this week. We'll see how it goes, but thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.